Hey, everybody, this is Chuck Everson from Villanova University, and welcome to the Big East Rewind. The Big East Rewind came about when Sonny Sparrow and I from Syracuse University were on a recruiting trip and became friends, and we've been friends ever since. And we had a bond that has developed over playing in the very tough Big East Conference. The Big East Rewind is all about Big East basketball, old school style with the battles and stories that came about during our time playing in the Big East. From the perspective of the media, coaches, former players, and even officials. So we hope you enjoy the Big East Rewind. Welcome to the Big East Rewind. Today's episode is a super episode. We have the Hoyas in the house again. We have Big Ralph Dalton. Patrick Ewing's most feared opponent, according to Patrick. He'll tell us about his horrific injury that I think very few people know about, how he recovered and overcame it, and all the things Hoya. So listen up, grab a drink, have some fun, listen to the Big East Rewind. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Big East Rewind. I am your seven-foot host, Chuck Everson. And as I was reminded earlier, my six foot five point guard, number 23 from Syracuse University, Sonny Spera. How are you, son? Chuck, I'm doing great. As always, I'm very excited about our guest. Yeah, I don't think we, a lot listen, of people I don't think a lot of people know a lot a lot about Ralph. So this is gonna be a good one. It it'll be a lot of fun. Plus, we got another big guy, Sonny. I you know, I think I've yeah. run through the gamut of big people in the big east, man. You know, yeah, I, I'm telling you, Ralph, you know, he's got, got a thing, man. I know you're a point guard. I don't want to get you upset. And uh, you know, <laughs> and I think Ralph is the seventh member we counted before, right? Of that eighty-four championship team that Georgetown had. Yeah. So wow. we've that we've had on the show, yeah. Yeah, seventh member from that team, which was pretty amazing. And, and you know, frankly, it, it's been a lot of fun getting to know these guys because uh, we've knocked down some barriers that have been built up, I guess you could say, you know, over the yeah, years. The cloud is gone, man. The cloud is gone. The, the cloud is gone. So without any further ado, let me introduce our guest. Our guest was described by his Hoya teammates as loyal with a big heart, and he had the best attitude of anybody on the team. Nothing ever got him down. It was always positive experience for him. It was always positive and upbeat all the time, even though he had a severe knee injury that nearly cost him his career. So one of the nicest Hoyas on that 84 team, he went on to great success on Wall Street. Nova, uh, Nova legend, Hoya legend. Ralph Dalton. How are you, Ralph? Is that a Freudian slip? Wow. Wow. That was, yeah, I'm, yeah. You talk about cutting things out, Ralph. We got to cut. We that might need out. to edit that. That's one. funny. <laughs> so I, thank you for I, coming I, on and joining you? us, man. Good to be here. You know, it's funny because th- this happened kind of like by, by by luck, right, Ralph? I mean, you ran yeah. into a buddy of mine who played with my brother at Rutgers, Mark Peterson. He also okay. played. He also played with uh, with Mark Plansky, who was a teammate of mine, and. Yeah. Uh, and said he ran into you, he sends me this picture. And I said, holy cow, you better give me his number. So we, we got in touch and here we are, like days later. Yeah. So appreciate you spending some time with Sonny and I. Absolutely, you know? it's my pleasure. And like I said, you know, there's nothing to fear with the uh, orange and Hoya thing. That was, you know, that's water under the bridge, Ralph, you know, so you know. <laughs> yeah, no, but, <laughs> nobody, over it now. nobody harbors any animosity. Don't worry. Just Absolutely. don't mention Manly Fieldhouse closing and we're good, Ralph. Yeah, let's, right. let's leave that one out. <laughs> don't mention Manly and we'll be all right, you know? Exactly. Yeah, that's not, nothing about closing Manly. Let's not hear about that. <laughs> yeah, he's, a little, he's a little sensitive about that one thing. One thing. So, so originally from Maryland, right? And then you wind up going to the Fishburne Military Academy to uh, – yeah. For, for a year so to improve I guess you to work on your game is that and was that um, it? grades were good I was I was told well it was a combination of both actually to get myself academically ready for Georgetown but as much as anything to work on my game as well yeah okay so who who suggested that was that coach John uh suggested that to you or I uh, it was something that coach? was it, it was something that was put out there um and I knew I needed to, you know, I, and I grew up in the DC, Maryland area. I, and I knew that this, the school system I came from was, was okay. 
but I also yeah. knew I needed to to work on some things or whatever. So I thought it was a great idea, and and it was something that I was very open to. Now, is so that was, was that was that considered a prep school, or was that what was it? What was it considered? Uh, it's a prep school. Yeah, it's a military school, prep school, basically. Okay. Uh, you well, know, listen, this is not this is not a big joke, Ralph. But like, you had to wear military uniforms and everything too, right? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Well, how how are they getting military uniforms for a guy six eleven? Uh, well, it, it the crazy thing is, and this and it is pretty crazy. The formal uniforms basically had to be uh, uh, tailored for me. I was the only way okay. to get something to fit me. But the fatigues that I had to wear. They pieced them together, as crazy as it sounds, where they literally sewed something at the bottom of the fatigue so that it would fit better. Uh, okay. Uh, I so, get you. you know, that made it more manageable and it made it at least relatively presentable. Well, listen, the only guy in this room that can fully understand you, Ralph, is me right now. Because Sonny, yeah, even exactly. though he's 6'5", <laughs> is considered a big guy amongst everybody else. Yeah. You and I are a little above above that. So I... Yeah. I feel your pain there, man. I, I mean, I, I I understand. There's no pennies catalog or something where you're going to go and get a <laughs> exactly and stuff. Exactly. So, okay. So so now so you 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 get to work on your game and how does the recruitment process go for you? I uh, you know I once I met John Thompson, um, you know, and basically this six foot ten guy, dynamic speaker it was never a question for me. It was, it was what I wanted to do. Uh, and I didn't know, and it's crazy as it sounds, I didn't know a whole lot about Georgetown at the time. Um, and, you know, and, and I know that sounds a little crazy, but I was so impressed with coach Thompson that it was just, I just thought it was an amazing opportunity and it's what I wanted to do. Now, when I went to the military school and played and, you know, we won our championships and all that, um, I was recruited by other schools, but it, it, it really wasn't anything I seriously entertained. So when did, when did you meet Coach Thompson, and when did you, like, literally, sounds like, make up your mind? That's your spot. Um, I met him. Um, the first time I met him, I was playing in a summer tournament, uh, and that's when I was introduced to him. And then when the school year started, you know, it was just an, you know, opportunities presented itself and it became more obvious that they were, that they were very interested in what I, uh, you know, in me. And quite honestly, that's when other opportunities presented themselves. And in that same summer, I got a chance, <clears throat> excuse me, I got a chance to play in uh, some, you know, tournaments and got a little bit of travel and playing in tournaments at the high school level. Uh, and it just, you know, one, it became obvious that I was, relatively talented but two um it just presented itself as a as a heck of an opportunity for something that i fully wanted to pursue so coming out of that maryland that that dc maryland area is that considered like the dmv is that the area that you were all yes. these great ballers came out of so yes, who were yes. some of the guys that you were balling against in the park in back um back then I'm not, i don't know if there's any names that would stand out the guy I played against that would really stand out that you remember is Thero Bailey. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, he was the, uh, the oh, first yeah. year I started playing basketball, I got a chance to play against him. Uh, at that point, he was, you know, a level above me, but still, you know, I was still <laughs> relatively talented, and I, and I think I played okay against him. So, so, so that were was, you one of those guys that played in the Y and got into pickup games there and went out to the uh, to the asphalt and played out in the parks and stuff like that? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what I, I grew up. I mean, and, and, you know, I in addition, I mean, the DMV, yes, but also I grew up in, you know, a good part of my life, the second half of my life at that point, I grew up in Prince George's County, which is uh, where a lot of talent. That's the place. Yeah. yeah. So that's the area I grew up in. And yeah, I, you know, I played a lot of ball um, on the asphalts and, you know, outdoor courts in that area, whatever. And that's what I grew up doing or whatever. And honestly, when I was younger, I, you know, when I first started, I wasn't very good. I wasn't very good. And then there were a couple of things, times when certain things happened and it's almost like a light went off in my head and I exponentially got better 
and then something else would happen. And then I exponentially got better. And then I started realizing this could be a way out for me. This could be a way to, to, you know, to, to advance and do some different things. What, what were some of the things you were interested in? I mean, it, it, once that starts and now you start thinking college, right. And, and you talked about, okay, academically, were you also thinking, Hey, this is my potential academic or were you still just focusing on maybe hey let's get let's get basketball square so I can get there what were, what were some of your thoughts uh yeah I mean it was more it was a combination of both right uh, I never I just saw basketball as my way out of you know yeah. getting out of the neighborhood yeah, my vehicle. way of doing different things and mm-hmm. from an academic standpoint um you know I I was just like any other high school kid I was a knucklehead having a little bit of fun and wasn't really thinking about college. But then when I started playing ball and it presented itself to me, I'm like, well, wait a minute, this is something that could mean something to me. And and the funny thing is around that same time, that's when, I mean, I really didn't watch a whole lot of basketball at that point, but then a bunch of my friends were talking about the national championship game that was coming on. And it just happened to be one of the greatest of all time. It was magic Johnson Michigan State versus Larry Bird in the end. And I watched that and I was kind of like, wow, you know, this is something that, you know, has all sorts of possibilities. Did I ever think that I could get to that level? Um, I don't know. And I don't know if I ever really got to that level, but I got an opportunity to do some, you know, to be a part of something pretty nice. Did you come from a big family, Ralph? You had a lot of uh, siblings or? Absolutely, yeah. I was the youngest of six boys. Wow. Uh, and I had one younger sister. Uh, and the funny thing about that is of all, I, you know, of the youngest of six boys, by far the biggest. Uh, you okay. know, I was, you know, six foot 11. I had three brothers that were right around six, five. And then, you know, my other, my oldest brother was the shortest in the family. He was about six foot. And then uh, the brother right above me was about, yeah, about six, one or so. Wow. So when the Dalton, it was like the Dalton gang out in the old West when you guys came into <laughs> town, right? It was you guys all come walking in. It, that's that's got to be impressive when the whole family comes into a place like that. Absolutely. So okay, so about, now me, you did, go ahead. Let son. me ask, let me ask you one question about your high school yeah. experience. Uh-huh. What was your what was your relationship with your high school coach, and how did that play into your future? Um, my first year. My, my my year at Fishburn, uh, the coach I played for there, uh, that was the first at Fishburn was the first time that the school had won a championship at, in any sport, really. But we won, the, uh, you know, a championship uh, in basketball. And I had a great relationship with a guy named Colonel, uh, Colonel Miller. Uh, and we had a very he was also in addition to being the high school coach, he was who was he was the um actually the headmaster of the school as well uh, but he was very much the academic guy uh so it was a combination of all but it was the first time they'd ever won a championship in any sport and it was you know and it was a lot of fun and i had developed a strong relationship with him okay wow okay so now so now you decide you're going to you're going to attend Georgetown University on the hilltop and and they recruit a guy who's arguably the best player in the country and and he's he's your size he's your your good buddy you know we're all talking about Patrick Ewan okay what what goes through your mind at that point not knowing Patrick because there was no email or did you know him but there's no emails and there's no text messaging so you can have a conversation I know Wyatt Maker and I had the same thing. We both got draft. We both got recruited at the same time. They were only going to take one and not the other. All of a sudden we wound up both going. Yeah. So we're, we're writing letters and talking on the phone to each other. Did you and Patrick have that same thing? Uh, no, Patrick and I met only one time before we got to Georgetown. And I don't know if you remember a tournament back in those days, the Boston shootout. Oh yes, yeah. I did. Yeah. That's a big okay. one. Okay, I went up to the Boston shootout with the team and, you know, we're up there playing and, you know, we're just kind of sitting in the stand. I didn't know. I, and quite frankly, honestly, I didn't know anything about Patrick. I'd heard about him, but I didn't know anything about him. 
So, you know, we played the game. We're all sitting up in the stand. Patrick comes up, walks up. And I didn't know who he was, but he walks up. But he knew Billy Martin. You know, Billy Martin, Anthony Jones, some of those guys are playing with us. And he comes and sits next to, to, uh, to Billy. And he's like, Billy, where's that other, let's just keep it clean, big dude. <laughs> there are other ways to say it, but big yeah. dude is going to be playing at Georgetown. And Billy kind of sheepishly looks and he points over and he points, you know, that here he is right here, you know, and he's like, oh, he's like, oh, what's up? I was like, what's up? And that's all we ever said to each other. Uh, <laughs> you know, and at that point, I was kind of like, well, I hope we get a chance to play each other, you know, because at this point, you know, we got some things to prove. Uh, so- we never get a chance to play each other in the Boston shootout. Um, and that was it. That was the first time I'd ever met him. Then, you know, fast forward, Georgetown, it's time for the programs to start. We're, we start our summer program. It was called Community Scholars at Georgetown. I lived in D.C., so I got to the school early. And, you know, I get to my room. I get set up. I'm just kind of hanging out. Don't know what to do with myself. We got time to kill. Uh, we have an orientation that starts, I think, at 8 o'clock that night. Nobody else is around. And I'm kind of like, well, you know, I, I'm just kind of hanging out. Then finally, the orientation starts. Patrick comes walking in. And, uh, you know, and yeah, they, we go through the orientation. Then all of a sudden, you know, they, they say, OK, we're done. You're on your own. You have lots of free time. You can do whatever you want. Classes start tomorrow morning at nine. So I'm like, well, you know what? I'm at home. I'm like, well, you know what? This is probably my last chance. I'm going to go see my mom, hang out at home for a little while, you know, getting ready for the next day because I didn't know what else to do. He comes running behind me. He's like, yo, big fella, what you doing, man? Like, well, I'm going to see my mom. He kind of thinks about it. He's, uh, well, uh, uh, um, all right, all right, I'm down. And that's how we became friends. And, you know, and it's just, and, you know, and the rest is history. Well, what so, was the master plan? Wait, wait, wait. So, so you ahead. didn't think, to, you didn't think to say to him, nobody invited you. You didn't, you didn't think right. that. <laughs> That's true. I, I thought about it, but I was kind of like, all right, it's cool. You know? Listen, if Patrick says he's coming to dinner with you, Sonny, guess what? He's coming to dinner. You're not yeah, yeah, saying, no, no, hey. I get it. That would have been my answer, but I'm I'm six five. I'm six eleven. Well, I'm, I'm seven one, like, and that's my answer. I'll tell you that right well, now. Well, and, and the funny thing about the whole thing is, is that we go. My mom falls in love with him, you know, and sure. she, you know, Patrick was a very fickle eater, so she fixed special food for him, and gave me whatever was, you know. But she was <laughs> out of love. No. That, you know, uh, it's yeah. funny that you say that, Ralph, because on our team, Harold Presley's mom was like that. She made stuff for everybody. And Pres winds up, she made the best chicken around, you know, and she yeah. would always send, make sure Chuck gets his chicken and I would get, <laughs> but it would never make it to me for some reason. Prez exactly. always cut it off, you know. Exactly. So what was the master plan for you guys? Like, you know, when Coach when Coach Thompson's recruiting you guys, were you looking to play the five, the four? Was Pat going to play the four? Was it was it you were going to be his backup? Was he supposed to be behind you? What was the plan from when Coach recruited you guys? What did he tell I, you guys? Well, it, there was never really a discussion about, you know, what that was going to be or whatever. And I didn't know a whole lot about, I mean, eventually I learned a lot about who was coming in because uh, as a matter of fact, the military school, you know, the athletic director and the head coach, you know, came to me and they said, well, look, are you sure this is what you want to do? You know, you know, they're bringing in three all Americans, you know uh, you know, and at that point, Patrick was a center. Bill Martin was, a, you know, could be a big forward, could be a small forward, but basically with three all Americans and I was not an all American. Uh, I was just another big guy. Uh, and they were kind of like, are you sure if this is what you want to do? Because you have options, you know, academically, you're doing well. Uh, you're getting recruited by a lot of schools. And my answer to him was, well, you know, I, I think I'm pretty good, too. I think I can play. Um, and I don't know that coach, I'm sure he did have a master plan, but it wasn't something that I was privy to. But yeah. uh, I think that 
you know, at that point, I was a good shot blocker. I was a, a, a big rebounder. Uh, and, you know, that's that was what I was known for. Could I score? Yes. But those are the things I was really good at. Uh, so I think he had, you know, he had options of running me at five. You know, Patrick was very talented in a lot of ways, as you know. He's, you know, he's, he's a Hall of Famer. Um, so it gave him a lot of options or whatever. Um, so I, I don't know that there was necessarily a master plan, but, you know, at that point, remember, there were three All-Americans plus me, and then there was another guy named Novato uh, Smith that was coming in as well. Okay. So I got to I got to ask you about what was the practice like when you two you two got to face off every day. Right. And I do believe that Patrick had some very complimentary things to say about you. We'll get to that later, but right. uh talk about just talk about what it was like on the practice floor. Uh there were wars basically. Yeah. Uh we were very good friends. However, when we got on a basketball court, you know, we were, you know, friendship goes out the door and, and literally there were wars. Um, <clears throat> unfortunately, and, and I, and I do say, unfortunately, I was the one who always had to play against Patrick. <laughs> there yeah. were times when they would put us together just to see how the big lineup would go. And, you know, other people had difficulties trying to control, trying to, to, to play against Patrick. So, Ralph, turn your shirt over, you know, and I had to go on the other team, which right. I wasn't always happy about or whatever. But um, they, there were wars. We played a lot of hard basketball. Um, and you know what? We went at each other hard, hard. Can I, can I, 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 I want to ask you about coach Thompson, right? So you talked yeah. about when you first met him, did you see any of yourself in him? Um, I won't say that I saw any of myself in him. However, what I did see is someone who I wanted to be like, he was this six foot 10, very dynamic speaker, extremely intelligent, Yep, off the and, chart intelligence. Yep, off the chart. Every, yeah. Everything about him I aspired to be. Mm-hmm. You know, so that was that was the most impressive thing. And and honestly, that's the thing that stuck with me. And that's why I was so determined I wanted to go to Georgetown. And as I emphasize, a lot of other schools were trying to recruit me, a lot even from the DC area, but it was never really an option. Um, you know, if that option was open to me. I, 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 you know, I wasn't going to think about doing anything else. So talk that now that we touched on uh, big John on coach, talk mm-hmm. about your relationship, Ralph, with him. I mean, what, you know, some of your, you know, brethren Hoyas have been on with Sonny and I, and, yeah. you know, some of them feel that the big guys got a little more love out of coach than some of the guards did. Was, is that accurate or is he, was he an equal opportunity guy or talk about your relationship um, with him? He was an equal opportunity guy. He was hard on us all. I Spoken was like a the... true seven footer there, Ralph, you know? <laughs> hey, I was. Um... He was giving you a soft landing there. Just I, I, yeah. No, I uh, believe me, I know. But in the end, everybody knows Coach Thompson. You know, there was nothing easy about John Thompson, right? No. Uh, and, you know, he made sure we all felt loved. He made sure we all felt misery sometimes uh you know and he wasn't favorable to any particular ones or whatever he got on us all you know he made life difficult for us all but he also um made it you know created an environment where we could be successful in and i think we all appreciated that yeah did you guys did you guys understand some of the stuff that he was doing with the Hoya paranoia stuff and why you guys stayed where you stayed on the road and why you guys did certain things. Was that, was that something that some of you guys were just scratching your head going, what the heck are we doing staying in Rye, New York to play at, at the garden, for example, did any of that come into mind or did, because I don't think, I think he was misunderstood. I think he was ahead of his time with a lot of things, Ralph. And I I didn't understand it till I read his book. You know, yeah. why he why he did what he did and why 
he said what he said in a lot of things, you know? Right. How about back then when you were playing? Did you guys get that or not really? Yeah, you know, some of those long rides we went on, you know, back and forth, whether it was practice or whether it was the game, weren't a lot of fun. However, it created an environment, again, and this is something that I say a lot, it created an environment where we could be successful, where we could stay focused on the things we had to do. You know, in addition to being basketball players, we were also students, right? We had to get yeah. our work done. We had to, you know, we had to be able to to function and do things and not be under a microscope. And honestly, I think eventually, you know, at the, at the time, some people didn't quite understand it maybe, but I think eventually we all understood it and appreciated it because we didn't have the media all over. We didn't have the fans, you know, right there all the time. It gave us a chance to focus on what we had to do, whether it was basketball, whether it was school, but also to relax a little bit uh, and just be college kids. Well, let me know, ask you a question. Being constantly scrutinized. So his, his background playing in the pros in Boston, which is a racially challenging city to say the least right at yeah. the time that he played did he try did he talk to you guys about hey I'm, your 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 path is going to be different I've been there I'm going to make sure you're not going to be surprised did he talk about that aspect to the race part too or no absolutely he incorporated all of it into his and and the one thing most people don't know and the one thing people don't understand coach Thompson spent as much of his practice time talking to us about real life things, talking to us about um, some of the experiences that he had, in mm -hmm. addition, how that translated to some of the experiences that we had and that we were going to have. He spent a lot of his practice times talking about that. And, and honestly, that was as important as anything. Uh, you know, and as he, you know, he, he shared a lot of his experiences. He brought a lot of, of people in to talk to us as well. You know, we got a chance to meet Bill Russell. We got a chance to meet uh, uh, Red Arbacker. We got a chance to meet a lot of different, you know, people along the way, a lot of different coaches along the way. And they shared some of their experiences and they shared some of the experiences that we were going to face, you know. And Coach Thompson spent a lot of his time talking about things like that and sharing his experiences and sharing some of the things that we were going to, you know, that we were going to go to go through you know, you know i think it's a different time from when we played ralph as far as those kinds of teachings you know coach massimino same thing every, every day there was a different kind of life lesson you know and and uh, whether it was something in the news that happened he would sit us down before practice started and give you something to think about you know for the rest of the day you know what i mean like Absolutely. and it was and it was always these life lessons and i don't think that kind of stuff only in the, in the top programs does that stuff happen anymore. I mean, I, you know, yeah. to actually develop and make a kid, you know, seven, 17, 18, 19 years old, more rounded by being able to talk about issues and especially, you know, social issues and, and things that are going on in the world. So I, I think we were both pretty lucky and we played for a special kind of coach uh, Absolutely. To, to be able to do that. You know, I mean, I, you know, you look back at that now, as an older guy and you go, wow, we were, you know, that was pretty good because he formulated a lot of, you know, who we are today, both you and yeah, me, and Sonny, yeah. where, where he played, you know, it's a, the, I don't yeah. see that, you know, do you agree with that? I don't see that too much in, in today's coaches. Um, yeah. I mean, quite honestly, it, it, it's very different today than it was back then. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, I think there's a back then, Right now, I think there's a certain level of sensitivity that, that guys respond to. They don't like. Now they have the transfer portal and things like that. Well, I didn't like the way somebody said this or somebody said whatever. Uh, you know, so I, I think guys are a lot more sensitive now. Back in our days, uh, sensitivity didn't matter to anybody. <laughs> you know, you, you just dealt with what you had to deal with. Um, if you wanted to stay a part of, you know, you, you wanted to be a part of where you were. So, you know, sensitivity didn't matter back then or whatever. It's, it's very different is probably the best answer. Yeah. I, I, I want to ask you, cause the bit, the one thing that we always looked at for you, Ralph, was the, the shoes that you wore, the basketball shoes and, yeah. and how they were laced up. And I understand there's a story 
why those were there. And yeah. I don't, I never, I did not know any of this. Of yeah. course, it was behind the, the, the iron wall of Georgetown. That stuff was a town <laughs> mouse. So it wasn't my fault. But share with us a little bit what you went through in your first, what was it probably happening your first three months of college, right? Yeah. Uh, Chuck touched on it when he introduced me. Um, I had a severe knee injury, right? And it happened in the first game of the season, the blue-gray game, actually, where, you know, we were playing against each other. 3,000 yeah. fans in the stand, you know, we're playing in McDonough Arena, you know, a couple of quick shifts back and forth up the floor, you know, my, I step, my leg locks, my knee pops out through the side, um, you know, and literally pops out and locks, right? Um, and at that point, the damage is done. I tumble over, my knee pops back into place, um, and I tore you know, the way they described it is everything on the right. I mean, everything on the outside, everything, you know, through in the middle, everything in the back. And I also stretched the nerve out of whack. So since I was 19 years old, I have what they call drop foot. Okay. okay. <clears throat> and with the drop foot, you know, which means I don't have the ability to lift my right foot. So, you know, naturally they just, you know, it was assume that my career potentially could be over, but at the very least, I'd probably be out for two years with the injury that I had. And this was before they had all the modern day technology and they <clears throat> grafted in new ligaments and all that. All they did was put a couple of staplers in, sew the ligament back together. Um, but the, the, the difficult part was, is that I had the drop foot. So what they had to do was we had to find a way to compensate for my inability to lift my foot. So that's where the design of the shoe came. Oh, wow. Uh, the shoe was designed to compensate for some of the problems that I had in terms of being not being able to lift my foot. So that's what all that was about. Uh, you know, and I rehabilitated and somehow I know how but somehow i was able to be back within a year playing again uh, that's, amazing. Again, that's amazing that shoe was as, as, as critical as anything in in, in that happened okay yeah, talk that... about how it felt I, I i would imagine there's a lot of pain that just continues is that true um <clears throat> the easiest way to describe it there was never a game after that never a practice never anything where I didn't experience pain. Wow. Uh, I always, you know, it's just a matter of how much could I tolerate and this and that. And fortunate or unfortunate, I had a high tolerance for pain. But more than anything else, I was determined that I wasn't going to let this beat me. Right. So I was determined that I was going to get back and I was determined I was going to play. And, you know, by the grace of God, I was able to play four years of college basketball after that. So at, at Villanova, Ralph, we talk a lot, especially through Jay's uh, years at Villanova, we talk a lot about attitude. And that's the one thing that you can control. It could be chaos all around us. And yeah. sometimes there is. But the one thing that we can control is our attitude. How did you keep such a positive attitude as a young kid with a devastating injury that literally made the, the, the medical uh, journals, right? I mean, you were a case in in the medical journals from what I, from what I saw, how do you, yeah. how did you maintain such a positive attitude through that? Um, Coach Thompson played a big part in that as well. Uh, my freshman year, um, <clears throat> after I had that injury, you yeah. know, literally they took me from the floor uh, straight to the hospital. I was in the hospital for a week. Wow. I had the surgery the next morning and you know, and then they let me out. I went back to my dorm room. <clears throat> uh, it took me a little bit of time to adjust, but I also had some amazing friends that helped me to adjust. And quite frankly, they never let me not be a part of anything. You know, I, I was as much a part of the team. I was at every practice. Um, I traveled to most games. I traveled to most cities with the team. Uh, was it easy getting around? you know, with this yeah. huge leg cast on. 
Yeah. Uh, there was no such thing as American Disabilities Act. There was no, none of that stuff. <laughs> so right? in the end, Coach Thompson I mean, played the big part of making sure that I was as much a part of that team as any. And then I was also stubborn as hell. You know, I, again, I was not going to let this, you know, I, and, and the interesting thing is throughout all of this, with all the pain and this and that, there's only one time I cried throughout the whole thing. <clears throat> the day after I got the surgery, I'm sitting there talking to the doctor and I'm like, well, doc, how long do you think I'm going to be out? He's like, well, at this point, we're not sure you're going to be able to walk right. So you need to stop thinking about basketball and just thinking about functioning, you know, thinking about being a student. And honestly, that pissed me off. Yeah. That pissed me off. Yeah. Uh, and, and I just decided that, no, this is not going to beat me. And I just, you know, and, and, the minute they allowed me to start working, I, I started working. You know, the, the funny thing is, is that years, probably, I don't know, years and years later, I went to a doctor. They did an MRI on my knee. They discovered I didn't have an anterior cruciate ligament. They, they basically concluded that when I started rehabilitating it the next year, I probably ripped it again and didn't know it. But what I did was, is I just got my knee so strong that it just compensated for it. And I mm -hmm. played four years of college basketball without an ACL. That's amazing. That's really, and you know, and I, I know how, I know how you felt in that moment. I had not even close to the injury you had. I had a hip injury when I was a kid in ninth grade and I had to have pins put in my hip, you know, because yeah. my hip started to come out of socket and the, the doctor told me that's it. You're not going to play anymore. So at that point, something clicks in your brain was like, no way I'm not going to play anymore. Of course I'm yeah. going to play. And you go right after it and don't think about anything else, but yeah. getting back on the court. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's an amazing thing. The human spirit, you know, it's just, exactly. uh, it's pretty cool. Now, how did you, how did your teammates react? You know, were they, uh, did they come to your side? Were they, did they go see you in the hospital? Did they go see you at the dorm? How did, how did they react? Um, you know, they treated me just like anybody else. Um, and once I got used to the idea of having the cast and being on crutches, quite frankly, I enjoyed my freshman year. I parted as much as anybody else. You know, I went to all my classes. I did all the things. I was as much a part of anything else, whether it was on the basketball court, school, uh, social. I was a big part of everything. Uh, and wow. I stayed involved and they made sure I stayed involved. I, wow. I got to ask you with that, with that story and that kind of perseverance, do you do any motivational speaking of any kind or you talk to any groups on this? Um, I mean, this is, this is fascinating in my opinion. Yeah. I, you know, when I first, probably the first 10 years I was out of Georgetown, I did go speak at a fair amount of high schools and things like that. Um, as of yeah. late, I haven't done any of that. Uh, I haven't been asked to do any of it. But at one point, I did a fair amount of it. But quite frankly, I spend, you know, anytime I get around kids, especially athletes or, you know, athletes who have injuries and things like that, I, you know, it, I anxiously take an opportunity to talk to them about some of the things that they're going through and some of the things that I've gone through. Because a dropped foot... <clears throat> would stop the average person yeah right so and i've heard that that's i think a side effect if you have a bad um a bad uh like a, a spinal when you're having a baby they give you the, the epidural and that's one of yeah. the side effects if there's damage you can have a drop foot and i remember everybody freaking out and, yeah. and drop foot was the least of your concerns you've got a completely destroyed knee knee anatomy yeah you know, that's, that's unbelievable that's unbelievable that's bernard king i mean you know bernard yeah. king was off for yeah. a long time that's worse yeah, that's just that's just incredible. It's it's amazing. No, nobody, I, nobody knew that. That wasn't on any scouting report. I can tell you that much. No, no. I mean, I, I, we didn't know the whole story until we started, you know, doing our due diligence because we are professional journalists. We are right? professional journalists. Let's, let's so make we sure had to do good. our due diligence on you, my yeah. friend. So, but then, then you come back, right? And now, <laughs> and now there was no, you know, once you come back from that horrible thing that happened to you. 
Now you got to go back and play Patrick again every day in practice. And and he expects you to beat him up because that's what your job is, right? To, to make him better. So, you know, we had Patrick on the show and, you know, we talked to Patrick about um, who was some of the more difficult people to play against. And here's what he had to say. Play that tape there, Chico. So other than Chuck, who was the toughest big guy you faced? (laughs) Ralph Dalton. <laughs> <laughs> Hard answer. Uh, they, 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 That's they a good answer. Great, you know, we had some very good uh, big guys, but Ralph was, it, it was rough going against Ralph day in, night in, night out, day in, day out. Uh, he helped me to to be the player that I that I became. So those are big words, Ralph, from from one of the best <laughs> of all time, you know. You know, and that that was kind of a job as as a backup. You know, at that point, you had to push the big guys. You know, we had to push Pinkney. You had to push Patrick. How's that make you feel to hear him say that? Um, it feels pretty good. It feels pretty good. You know, good. I mean, like Patrick and I have been through a lot over the years. Uh, back then, you know, we were pretty much inseparable. Um, and you know, as much as I beat the hell out of him in practice, um. As you know, you know, I was also pretty protective of him as well. Oh, yeah. You know, Absolutely. you know that he took about two seconds to answer that question. You saw that, right? There wasn't even a hesitation. <laughs> it wasn't even a hesitation, right? He, he wasn't it's going, so let's see, Ralph Sampson, Elijah. He wasn't going through a list. Ralph Dalton. That's it. That's beautiful. As you can tell by the way the question was asked, we were trying to break his chops about a game that he and I had at the Spectrum one day. But. Yeah. He wasn't biting on that. He went right. Yeah, he wasn't biting. He wasn't going. <laughs> he wasn't biting on that. So, <laughs> but we did have fun with him. So, so now, so now you guys, you guys are, uh, you know, into into your season now, and you're back, and 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 things are are going your way. Um, talk about you know some of the Big East tournament stuff. Like, I, I, you know, this is what some of the guys said that you guys did. You guys take a yellow school bus to games at times. Is that true? Um, because I, I can't I imagine say, you and Patrick sitting in a yellow school. No, bus I think our hours. first year, our first year, I think we did. Yeah. Wow. I'd like to see a picture of that. I'd like to see photo evidence yeah. of you and Patrick fitting <laughs> in a well, school bus. If, if that's the case, Ralph, it certainly did not hinder you guys on the court. You must have been good and stretched out before you hit the hardwood. Because <laughs> well, and man. let me and let me make sure you understand. That's when we were we had to go from the school out to the Capitol Center. Oh, yeah, man. yeah. They said that was a pretty good ride too. Thirty four. You know, yeah, that was a that was a heck of a ride. Uh, but our first year, yeah, that's that's what we did. You know, after that, things changed a little bit. But that first year, yeah, that's what what we did. So now, how I got, do you, I, how do you prep for that? Like for you know, you're you're leaving hours before a game, so you really you, what? You know, I was joking around with Billy or Gene and said, "Man, what did you do? Go right from pregame meal to the game." Uh, yeah, we, we left, we always left pretty early to go out there because they wanted us to get there, get chance to stretch out, uh, get a chance to kind of get into our groove and also to get in, and, you know, there was a whole warm up process that we went through getting ready for a game. So we always went pretty early. Yeah. You know, and was it a comfortable ride always? No, but we were also relatively young. So, you know, it wasn't as big a deal. So let me ask you a question about practice. Cause so you're coming back from this, this really horrific injury. I can't imagine coach Thompson gives you any breaks in practice. He probably rides you just like as much as anybody else. No, right? I, the only break I got is because of the type of injury that I had in the drop foot um, in our warmups, you know, when you do that slide, you know, the get down low and do the, the slide, the crab slide like thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I didn't do that as much. I would just run through so that I didn't put any additional strain on the knee. Gotcha. Um, but a part, but a big part of that was also my option. If I felt comfortable doing it, yeah, I did it sometimes. But for the most part, I would just run a straight line and make the turns and run and, you know, keep doing that. But no, Coach Thompson didn't let up on you. And, you know, it didn't matter. He didn't let up on much of anything. Okay, let's talk. Let's talk about some of your opponents. We know that your opponents in practice were tough, but talk about some of the games and the teams and any experiences that you remember. I, you know, there were wars. The Big East were wars back then, right? Whether it was Villanova, St. John's, Syracuse, 
you know, Pitt was still a big part of it. Is that at that point as well? It was, yeah, Pittsburgh was good. You know, yeah. I mean, it whether it, it, Connecticut was, you know, and and at times were you know as big as yeah, they were coming. Yeah, Seton Hall. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know the hall. So there were a lot. I mean, and and even Pro- Providence at that time or whatever, because we had friends who played on Providence as well. So there were the, every Big East opponent. It didn't matter. It was always a war. Always a war. Now, Coach Thompson and Coach Beheim, we all know that that animosity ran deep. And, and was. And I know from talking to a couple of your brothers that Coach Thompson thrived in that environment yeah. and enjoyed it, right? Did that ever – was that ever part of your, like, a little bit more motivation to get Coach B? Um, you, you can know, be honest. Nobody's going to see this. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, it didn't matter which arena we went into. They hated us. It is true. Whether, it was, true. Whether, whether it was at Syracuse, they were throwing fruit or money at us. Yeah, the orange. Uh, yeah, or, that's right. You know, or Villanova, it, it didn't matter. They hated us. St. John's, you know, and even at St. John's, we had as many fans that would come out you know, at, at the garden as St. John's fans or whatever. Yeah. But they still hated us, you know, and quite honestly, it was motivation. It was motivation. How did that, how yeah. did that feel, Ralph? I mean, you guys always wore the black hat no matter where you went. So therefore you got everybody's greatest effort every time you stepped on the floor, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it didn't matter where we were going. And, and the best way to put it is, we didn't sell out a lot of home games, right? Only a few of the big games a year would we sell out. Right. But every right. play played on the road was always sold out. They always, always sold out. Oh, yeah. And, you know, quite honestly, it, it was fun. It was fun. Let, let, me was you, let me ask you about the Final Four experiences. You had three, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yes. One, so, the first year I was hurt, but I was I was a big part of it as well. You're part of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So now you have Hoya Paranoia going national, right? And I know that if you guys played, let's say if you guys played in Miami, you guys were going to stay up in Jacksonville. I, I know that's the deal, right? <laughs> so so talk a little bit about what that was like and to experience it now on a, just a completely national stage. Yeah, I mean it's the, the first national championship we played in the Superdome, right down in yep. Uh, in, yep. in New Orleans. New Orleans. Yep. We stayed in Biloxi, Mississippi. So, and you know, <laughs> we had practice, so that was like a two-hour ride back and forth every day. Uh, but it was crazy, you know, because you you know we would drive in and we'd see all the craziness that was going on, and and you know it was in a lot of ways it was fun. But quite frankly, once practice was over and we got out and we went back to our quiet little sleepy town, uh, it you know that we appreciated that quite frankly. And then we came back into the craziness. But in you know in the Superdome, what was it, sixty-seven thousand screaming yeah. fans? Yeah. Uh, and you're, and you're it, going up against the Blue Bloods, and here here's this young yeah. upstart Georgetown from what conference? This is the ACC. Exactly. We're like exactly. legendary. Uh, but it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Uh, and, you know, on that team, we had six seniors. So we had great leadership, great leadership. Um, okay. And that's what helped. That's what made the difference because those seniors, you know, they they showed the way. But then you mix in, you know, you got Patrick leading. You got, you know, Bill Martin, a big part of it. You had other guys playing as well. But those six seniors, you know, that's really what got us ready for what we had to do. And that's, what, you know, they're the ones who showed us away because they, they've been there before. What, what was yeah. it like, Ralph, when now, you, you know, we, you know we, everybody knows the story about Fred with the ball late in the game against yeah. New Orleans and in, in New Orleans against uh, Carolina. Yeah. What was it like to see Fred get his redemption and get his ring and that moment with him and, and Coach Thompson hugging at the end of that game, what what was that like as as a teammate of Fred's when you saw that? Go that down? was special. That was special because yeah, I imagine year, it would be. You know, Freddie wasn't always the starter that year, but quite frankly, Freddie was a big part of that. 
you know, everybody talks about uh, what, you know, Michael Graham did, what Reggie did, yeah. uh, Patrick did, and they all did a lot of great things. But Freddie was a big part of that. And then when that happened, when that, you know, and, 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 and Coach Thompson gave him that big hug, that was a very, very, very special moment. Was that, that was out of character? Question. Was that out of character for Big John? Um, no, not really. Not Publicly really. like that? No? Um, yeah, I mean, to a certain extent, yes, but not really. <clears throat> Coach Thompson, he was a hard man, but he was also could be um, a generous man as well, right? You know, Coach Thompson was somebody who could curse you out and call you everything, and his favorite saying was, call you everything but but um was the, the old saying um <clears throat> i forget how it goes he would call you all sorts of names but then five minutes later you'd be walking down the hall he'd have his arm around you he's got you laughing like crazy or whatever that was just his nature well he, he, he loved you guys there's no question and he he i think you guys were all his just extended family yeah, you know, absolutely. during that season, that '84 season, Ralph. Yeah. I guess at some point that was Reggie's freshman year, right? Yes. So at some point he leaves the team for a week. Yeah. Okay. Which this is Reggie that told us the story. That's why I'm yeah. relaying it to you. Okay. Yeah. So at some point, what what were you guys thinking? You know, where the heck is this freshman going? Did anybody try to figure out what was going on? How did that all work out with the rest of the guys? Uh, you know, we all wondered about it, but quite frankly, the coaches slash the assistant coaches took care of it and he was back. Right. Um, okay. And it's just, you know, and we were happy to have him back. Um, yeah. You know, you have to adjust. Coach Thompson wasn't always the easiest person to get along with. He stayed on you. It took yeah. some getting used to. So. I'm it, sure as the number one kid in the country coming in, he wasn't used to being spoke to oh, in a certain way, you know, and I think yeah. probably as a young kid, that probably had a lot to do with it. I'm thinking, right. It took some getting used to, believe yeah, me, it took so. some getting used to. I bet. I bet. I bet. So, so what were your, what were your experiences after college? You got drafted, right? I did get drafted, but you know, with all the stuff we talked about with my knee, I got drafted, I think, in the seventh round um, to Cleveland. Cleveland drafted Brad Doherty at the time. Um, yeah. Yep. What's in Martin out of North Carolina? Harvey they drafted Martin. like four big guys. Yeah, Harvey Martin. Yeah. Yeah. They drafted four big guys that year. And it was kind of like, well, you know what? At that point, I'd finished my first year of grad school uh, at Georgetown. I was working on my MBA. And I was just kind of like, well, do I really want to chase a dream, somebody else's dream? Because it wasn't mine. You know, again, I, I didn't focus a whole lot on that. Right. And with the issues I had with my knee, I just felt it was better for me to just go back and finish up my MBA at Georgetown, get that done, uh, as opposed to chasing somebody else's dream. Because I didn't know how far that could go. So I didn't I, I didn't put a lot into it. You, so you were the first guy to get his MBA, right? At, yeah. at, at first basketball player to get that's great you know you're able so, yeah. to take advantage you know right. pretty awesome so yeah. so let's talk current day a little bit ralph okay <laughs> the hoyas have had ups and downs you know and you and i talked on the phone a little bit i'm yeah. rooting really hard for patrick and his guys and i was so happy when they won the big east last year if we couldn't win it you know I, and and i texted him when he beat when you guys beat us uh in the big east tournament i texted him and we had a little conversation and I told him what a what a big win I thought it was for the program and everything. Yeah. What what do you think has been the, the the thorn in his side? Is it the portal? Is it what do you think it is with the way college athletics is today? Because you see all these guys now, you know, Coach K Williams and now Jay Wright all getting out and retiring yeah. because it's not fun anymore. It's not it's not basketball. There's more to it. And and Patrick being an old school guy. Talk about talk about that for a minute. What what do you think is going on there with that stuff? Um, you know, I don't think the portal makes it easy for anybody at this juncture, yep, right? I agree. Uh, the one thing you know that we haven't talked to, that that's that hasn't been added to that you haven't mentioned is that the last two years have been COVID, right? And that's 
that's just taken a lot of a lot of energy out of a lot of rooms, right? Yeah. Uh, the combination of them all, but I think COVID played a big part this year. Uh, it took some of the energy out of the room or whatever, and then I just think they just struggled this year. Uh, I don't think it's anything that will ever happen again. Yeah, uh, I don't think so you know, I think they've had uh, <clears throat> an amazing recruiting year, and I think they're going to come back stronger this year. And and I know that Patrick will never let that happen again. Oh, I, I, I agree I, with you. Plus, you got the big guy coming back now that went to, yeah. he went to Maryland figured out he made a mistake because he was a key guy in your run yeah. for the big East title, you know? Exactly. So now, now he's back. Go ahead, son. Yeah. No, I was going to say, I think literally think about this, like five or 10 years from now, you're going to talk to high school kids or you're, you're going to talk to some kids or t- maybe 15 years from now, and you're going to explain what happened with, with COVID and, and nobody's going to believe you when, when you say, <laughs> listen, they shut down a season. They didn't play. The NBA played in a bubble. Like n- nobody's th- that's just not going to be understandable to that community. So I, I do agree with you. I think that's a huge impact on the game. Yeah. Just and, and kids, kids and the experience. Can you imagine being in college and you got to be online and you can't even get to meet people? Like you said, you have a torn up knee. You are going through everything with crutches and everything else. And to get a college experience and socializing and party, that's gone. Yeah. That experience is gone. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's hard. It's even more personal for me because I have, uh, you know, my youngest daughter, as I was telling you, Chuck, when we talked the other day, my youngest yep. daughter finished up her sophomore year, right? Mm-hmm. She played volleyball in college. She lost her whole freshman year to volleyball, but she, you know, she, first off, she lost her high school graduation to COVID. There was no prom. There was no anything, but she took it like a champ. Then her whole freshman year of college at her school, uh, the first semester, they only let freshmen on campus. They didn't really have a season. Then the second semester, they let seniors and freshmen on campus. And it was just kind of a weird year, but she's handled it like a trooper, you know. Uh, and, and honestly, I think she's probably handled it better than most kids. But I think all the kids have just have, – have, They've been through a lot, but they, they just keep on chugging. They keep on doing it, and they're handling yeah. it extremely well. And, and in the end, I think it's going to make all of our kids, it's going to make all of these kids stronger. Well, she had. look at the role model she had, Ralph. I know you're a humble guy, but I mean, look, I, mean I wouldn't expect anything less from her. And I've never met the young lady, but I would never expect anything less than that. Look at what you went through, and I'm sure, I'm sure you talked to her about stuff like that, you and your wife and – you know, and that and that's just a tribute to the two of you how you raised this girl. So, kudos to you. My hats off to you for sure. Yeah, it's not a shocker, right? What was that, Sonny? It's not a surprise. Plant corn, get corn, right? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So, so now you you, you get drafted, but now that's not going to work out for you. So you go on to to have some success on Wall Street. Talk about that for a minute. Now you you. You were down on you were down on Wall Street for how many years? Uh twenty eight years. Oh, twenty eight wow. years. That's twenty eight years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, bounced around a few different firms, uh, but you know, spent the longest time at Merrill. Um, yeah. You know, and enjoyed what I was doing. Enjoyed what wow. I was doing. You know, over the years, I've heard your name mentioned a lot down there because guys like Plansky were down there. Gary McLean was down there for a half a minute. You know, yeah. he'd said he he would tell me that he would run into you from time to time. Yeah. And, uh, that you did that you did pretty well. Was there is there a big, you know, like at Villanova, we have a huge network. Uh, you know, how was the network at Georgetown for, for stuff like that to, you know, to get hooked up on uh, in, in things over there, like, you know, like the Wall Street and Maryland places like that? Uh, I mean, quite frankly, um, my, just about my entire career, my, uh, in, on Wall Street, a Georgetown person was instrumental in, you know, helping me along in, in getting jobs and making sure I did well. I mean, my first job out of college, you know, I worked for a, you know, a relatively small Wall Street bank, um, the president of the bank was a Georgetown graduate. My next job, uh, the guy who ran, who ran that firm was a uh, big Georgetown guy. 
who also played basketball back in his day. Um, my job at Merle, um, you know, a, a Georgetown guy actually was instrumental in helping me get that job or whatever. So I, I think there's a pretty good connection. Uh, our alumni base is pretty strong, uh, as I know Villanova's is, and and yeah. and same goes for Syracuse as well. Yep. Um, you know, there's you know, and in addition to that, on Wall Street, there are a lot of Big East guys, and they do love athletes in that environment. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because back then when we were playing, Ralph, I didn't really get the power of networking, you know, like I do now. No idea. You know, yeah. no idea. And uh, yeah. some of the some of the people that, you know, were that you should have been networking with, you know, you, some of them I couldn't even be in the same room with at times. You know what I mean? It was difficult as a kid because you didn't really understand what was going on. But what a powerful thing. And I'm sure you, you talk to your kids and stuff about networking and stuff. Oh, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Big... So let's get down to it. Well, what are the top three stocks we should be buying right now? <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I, I wish I had an answer for that. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I mean, as, right. but as you know, the big craze now is Bitcoin. But that's even struggling a little bit these days or whatever. But that's the, you know, that's the new craze. That's the thing that everybody's, you know, all up in arms about now. Yeah. Yeah. Where are you these days, Ralph? You Are you still still on the street or are you with a different company now? Um, I'm, I'm still related to the financials to a certain extent, but also kind of in the mode of looking for new opportunities at the same time. Okay. Okay. Are somehow, you- I think, somehow I think it's going to work out. Somehow. Oh, I know. I know how I think it's going to work out for Ralph. Are you kidding me? So, so, okay. Two, two, two questions left and then we'll, we'll let you, we'll cut you loose. So are you still in touch with your guys? Do you talk to any of the guys and, you know, let us know what some of your teammates are doing these days. Um, well, I, I mean, I think you talk to a lot of them, right? Um, well, yeah, I mean, we we've we've we know what some of them are doing. Maybe the people that are watching or listening don't know what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, well, obviously, uh, you know, I'm pretty close with Patrick. You know what he's doing? He's coaching. Yep. Uh, you know, Gene. I yeah, I'm not sure define what Gene is doing. You 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 know what Bill Martin's doing? He's uh, out in the Midwest. Yeah, uh, working in insurance. Um, I'm not sure what Mike is How about going Mike. About. What's Mike Jackson up to? He was a very successful uh, in the in the media and, and with the, the Yes Network and with TBS, and he was a high ranking official in those companies, yeah. right? So you know, worked pretty strong for the Olympic Committee as well. Yeah, uh, you know, and then and I want to say he's. I think he's still with Nike. He's been pretty darn successful with Nike as well, right? Wow. Yeah, uh, you know, he was a pretty you know pretty high up there with them as well. Yeah, uh, you know Horace Broadnack is coaching um, at uh, um, a school down in the south. South, yep. Um, trying to think, you've been in contact with Reggie. I'm not sure exactly what Reggie's doing now. Yep. Uh, Mike, well, that's good. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you that you guys stay in touch somewhat. You know, and, yeah. and that you're still, you know, still involved with with the guys and stuff like that. Hey, Patrick is a big part of that. Yeah, uh, he. You know, for years, Patrick has made sure a bunch of us brought a bunch of us together, you know, in different environments or whatever. And he's been a big part of that. You know, Patrick is better at networking than most of us are, yeah. uh, you know, and, and I think it served him well. You know, the game that Sonny and I went to this past season, we were down at the Syracuse game at uh, the Cap One Center yeah. and they yeah. dedicated the floor to coach. Yeah. And we must we must have run into about fifteen or twenty basketball alums, right, Sonny? We did, we did. Yep. Yeah, there was a lot of guys down there, so it was good to see a lot of guys that come back to games and stuff. Both Syracuse guys too, and and uh, and Hoyas, you know. But it was good to see a bunch of those guys. They tried to get me to come back to that, but quite frankly, COVID the last two years has been a scary. Uh, I've got yeah. enough comorbidities that. <laughs> yeah, right. You don't need any more. I get it. So last question. So a kid comes to you and, you know, is asking you, what does it take to be successful in life and, and in athletics? What do you tell a kid? Uh, positive attitude, drive, hard work, focus. Great advice. There you go. 
You couldn't have said it better. You couldn't have said it better than that. Very simple and right to the point. That's so, a TED talk right there. Ralph, I got to thank you, man, for coming out. It's been a pleasure talking to you and hearing your story. I don't know. A lot of people know about the stuff that happened to you. And, you know, and it was uh, really, really good that you were able to share some time with Sonny and I, and we chopped it up a little bit. Thanks so much for coming on. Absolutely been my pleasure, guys. Ralph, okay. thank you very much. Thanks. So you've been listening to the Big East Rewind with Chuck Everson and Sonny Spera. The Big East Rewind was produced and directed by Nick Chico Chorus and Daryl Gurney. You can check us out on so all things social media at Big East Rewind. Also, to see the shows, you can get them where you get your podcast. But if you wanted to see the show, it is on YouTube and in the search bar, put in Big East Rewind. And all 62 or three of our shows will come up and you can check them out. All right. We ask you that you like, subscribe and share it with your friends. Thanks a lot and have a great night.